Podcast Answer Man, episode number 295. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite yet gone over to learnhowtopodcast.com to record that first episode yet. What are you waiting for? Anyway, there's something we can all do to take our show and everything else we do in life to the next level. Oh, that's right, my friends. And taking things to the next level is what I'm always trying to do. And in fact, uh, I'm going to tell you in just a moment uh, all the things that are going to be included in this episode. But I just want to tell you how I've been taking my use of monitors in my studios to the next level. I am so, so thrilled. Recently, um, I bought these brand new mounts that uh, sit on my desk that allow me to have my iPad mini in front of me held right there at kind of like eye level. I've got my iPhone 5 held right in front of me. I could have, you know, uh, different applications up and running showing me live real stream information. Uh, then I have a 27-inch iMac, which is my primary computing uh, solution. And off to the left, I have a widescreen 23-inch Hewlett-Packard monitor that's hooked up via a mini display port uh, to HDMI. So it's kind of nice, and I use that. Um, I usually have that set at like 1280 by 720 uh, resolution, so that I can easily do screen casting on it, and also so that I can do webinars and actually have a screen resolution that people can easily see on their laptops and any other screen that they might be using. But um, prior to using the the 27-inch iMac that I have right now in my studio, that's my main system. I actually purchased it to replace my old 27-inch iMac that needed to have some repairs done. The hard drive failed in it, and all these other things needed to be worked on, and they were going to have my machine for, like, they said it would be, like, five to six days. And I'm like, I can't be without my computer for five to six days, so I bought a brand-new 27-inch iMac to replace it a long time ago. Anyway, I used to, for my live streams on Thursday, I used to use a Mac Mini, that uh, would stream out my broadcast video and my, you know, my Ustream audio and all of that stuff. Now, I had since I had my since I got my old 27-inch iMac back, it's been over here right on the uh, ledge in my studio next to my other computers. The thing is, though, is this I've got this big, beautiful, gorgeous, lovely piece of technology. This this 27-inch iMac, and honestly, I've just been almost depressed actually no not really but it's just such a shame to see it sitting there and it only gets used once a week every thursday for a couple hours while i broadcast live for podcast answer man and family from the heart and then the rest of the time it just sits there well um here's the and by the way i just want to say real quickly my two my 20 older 27 inch imac the one that i usually broadcast on Ustream with um it's probably about two and a half, three years old now. It's It has mini display port out. It, or the, it's got one mini display port on it. Now my new I, iMac is about a year old, maybe a year and a half. 
and it actually has two Thunderbolt ports on it, two Thunderbolt ports. And actually, Thunderbolt ports on a Mac are the same as mini display ports. So anyway, with mini display port, with these Thunderbolt slash, you know, combo mini display ports, you can actually on a newer on this newer uh, iMac that I have, you can run two displays uh, out of that. So I actually use one of the mini display ports slash Thunderbolt uh, things to go over to my 23 inch monitor. But I knew that I had the ability with this other mini display port slash Thunderbolt uh, to actually send audio or video out to another monitor. And I remember reading a long time ago that you could actually, you know, what do you do if you have this old iMac that maybe is running slow or something like that, which obviously that's not the case for me. And that's probably why I didn't think about this. But anyway, I was thinking, you know, they said, what what can you do that? Well, they said you could use your old iMac as a monitor for another computer. Maybe you have a, a MacBook Pro or something like that. And you can have this nice, you know, monitor for your um your MacBook Pro just by plugging in uh, because the mini display port will allow you to bring video into that computer. And I was talking with my podcast mastermind, a couple of my podcast mastermind members, and one of them, uh, Dustin Hartzler, says, Cliff, I re- you know, why don't you just get a, a mini display port to mini display port cable and you should be able to go from one iMac over to the other iMac and it'll swap back and forth. And he pulled up a support document. He says, yeah, not only that, but you can still use your uh, your Mac for other things as well. On the Mac that you're using as the display, as the external display, you just on that Mac, you can hit Command F2 and it will allow you to switch back and forth between displaying just as an external monitor for your other system or it's uh, being its own monitor for its system. So... I went to Amazon and found a, I think I actually got a, like a six foot or something, um, mini display port to mini display port cable. And now I have a 27 inch iMac. Then I have screen, 27 inch screen. Then to the left of that, I have a 23 inch wide screen. And then to the left of that, I have another 27 inch screen. I am in heaven this is awesome. Taking things to the next level. Uh, and of course, now it's Thursday. I do have the 27, the other monitor currently set to just uh, be able to monitor and change things that are going on for the live stream. But as soon as I'm done streaming today, I'm immediately going to to shut all that down and hit shift or command F2. And it'll actually become that third monitor on my system. And I will tell you, people ask, why would you need that much screen real estate? And trust me, if you only knew my workflow and the different questions that I ask and the different places I have to go and hunt and peck for all this stuff, I typically have 8, 9, 10, 12 windows open at all times, and it's awesome. So anyway, that's just me geeking out. That's a little bit of a business technology uh, uh, plug for you this week or a, a business technology segment, and uh, hopefully some of you got some enjoyment out of hearing that, and if you if you happen to have an old iMac, with mini display port, uh, give that a shot. Also, I just want to say that uh, there's been some rumors and stuff like that. I've heard some people say that the brand new IMAX, the brand new 27 inch IMAX, and maybe even the smaller one, I don't know, but the ones that are super thin with the thin bezel, I've heard somebody say that they actually turned that functionality off on the brand new IMAX. I can't, I, I have, obviously, I don't have the new thin IMAX. Uh, so I can't verify that, but uh, I just wanted to just point out that if you do have a brand new one, 
uh, it may not work. But hey, it's it, the cable's like seven bucks on Amazon, and uh, give it a shot. See if it works for you. Anyway, here's what we're going to cover in this episode. I'm already eight minutes into it. Oh my goodness, this is going to be fun. Anyway, uh, I'm going to give you a personal plug of the week in just a moment, but uh, then we're going to uh, cover one, two, three, four, five questions, if I can get into them all. Uh, we're going to talk about what makes for a successful new podcast. How many subscribers do you have have to have before you're considered a success? How, how many subscribers do you need to continue to grow to be considered a success? We're going to answer that question. Dana wants to know what I think about having a pseudonym or a, a pen name or uh, something like that. She's really concerned about privacy and security for her and her family. And she wants to know what I think about not using her real name. I'm going to give my thoughts on that. Albert wants to know about preamps. Do we need them? Uh, then we have a question from Tom. Why am I losing subscribers to my podcast? Uh, and he says, you know, is there anything that you can think of to look at to, to kind of determine why would I be losing subscribers over this period of time? Justin wants to know my thoughts on taking live calls and doing interviews. Then I'm going to possibly, and again, this is all depending on it, how far over an hour I want to go today. And I try not to keep it too much over an hour. But anyway, I got a resource of the world's largest uh, natural sound archive that is now online. A podcasting patent lawsuit update. Screenflow tutorial announcement. Business technology segment I just talked about, so we won't need to worry about that at the end of the show. But anyway, those are the things that I have planned for this episode. And by the way, rather than come in and edit this later... If by the end of this show, anything that I did not, that I mentioned right now that's going to be covered, if I don't get to it by the end of this episode, well, guess what's going to be in episode number 296? So hopefully we can get maybe through all of this. Let's get started, though, with our personal plug of the week or my personal plug of the week. And this is actually going to go out to a podcast called The Great Black Heroes Podcast with Gaius Chamberlain. Now, you can find this over at greatblackheroes.com slash podcasts. And I want to read to you an email that I just got from Gaius this morning. He says, hi, Cliff. I wanted to take a moment to thank you. I have been a student and customer. I bought an equipment package from you as well as several digital training uh, tutorials. And I've been very appreciative for the insight you have provided. Your affiliate, I, I use your affiliate codes when I purchase products or sign up for services because I appreciate what you do. Now, however, I want to directly thank you. I have dragged my feet with launching a podcast for three years and I finally went ahead and put it out there. I set a goal to have 10 episodes ready for Black History Month and I did it. The site is called Great Black Heroes and the podcast can be found at greatblackheroes.com slash podcasts. And again, that's plural. Uh, Anyway, it says, I know that you receive a lot of thank yous, but I hope that you know that you are that you have you really have a positive impact that doesn't always get acknowledged. So thank you. This will be the first of many podcasts and I owe a lot of it to you. Gaius Chamberlain. Well, Gaius, thank you so much. And if you guys want, head over to greatblackheroes.com slash podcasts. Let me just click play on here. You get a feel for for how his show sounds, which is actually really Great good. Great Black Heroes, episode number nine.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to Great Black Heroes, a podcast focusing on the contributions of black pioneers over the last 200 years. I'm your host, Gaius Chamberlain, and today we're going to take a look at a man who many consider one of the 10 most important black inventors of all time, not for the sheer number of his creations, but also for the degree of importance for his most famous discovery. Now, Lewis Latimer is so uh, so important that we have profiled him not only on the greatblackheroes.com website, but also... So there you go. Lewis Latimer, if you want to learn about him, that's uh, episode number nine of the Great Black Heroes podcast. Again, if you go and check it out and you like the show, make sure to let guys know that you heard about him from the podcast Answer Man. And that, my friends, is my personal plug of the week. All right, moving right along here. The next thing I want to share with you. Oh, I want to share with you a win of the week. Win of the week is something that uh, I do with all my mastermind calls. We always start our mastermind calls together, whatever mastermind group I'm a part of. Everything we start off uh, on a positive note. We start talking with uh, about a win of the week. Now, many of you guys know my story. If you've gone to podcastanswerman.com slash about, at the very bottom of the page there, there's a video that is my story of how I started podcasting as a hobby. And after two years, this hobby kind of you know, became an obsession of mine, such a passion that I lost all interest in my day job. And it was actually really affecting my day job in a very negative way. And all I could dream about was podcasting and, and the possibility or potential of maybe doing this full time. And then in 2008, uh, January 2008, I started doing this full time as my only source of income. And the entire year of 2008, my total personal income for that year was $11,000. The business, of course, made more money than that. Uh, That's just how much the business paid me. So the business was able to take care of all of its overhead and stuff like that. And I had to live off of my deduction or a, a withdrawal from my pension account. Things were really tough, and 2009 slowly got better, but it wasn't a whole lot better. 2010, things really started to take off, and uh, things have gotten progressively better since then. Well, yesterday, but this is my win of the week. Yesterday, I went to my CPA's office and went there with my profit loss statements and all my other paperwork for taxes, and I filed my uh, corporate uh, taxes, and I filed my personal taxes, and I just want to say that 2012 was filled with many, many blessings. Um, I, I, you know, I I'd probably share more things than what most people would ever feel comfortable sharing. And I don't even have in my notes what I'm going to share with you. But, you know, I, I probably will tell you this. Uh, it, one of the things I can tell you is that on average, as an insurance agent, when I actually was when I left there, I was making about eighty seven thousand dollars per year. Uh, so the, and, and by the way, I, I, I would actually own the agency today and would be making a lot of money if I would have stayed there. But I, I couldn't. It just wasn't within me to actually stay in insurance. So I left an $87,000 a year career in insurance to pursue podcasting where in the first year my total personal income was $11,000. Well, uh, let's see, last year, or the year before last, 2011, I made as much, maybe actually just a little bit more than I made while I was in insurance. However, in 2012, I, I'm going to share it with you. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, I made personal income. This is this is just straight out personal income, $122,000 in 2012. 
And that doesn't include all of the actual benefits of actually having your own business and having it cover things like uh, business equipment, like, you know, 27 inch iMacs and iPads and and uh, stuff like that going on uh, business, quote unquote, trips uh, like to Disney and uh, and actually mixing that with, uh, you know, those those things with business and pleasure and going on a gspn.tv community cruise that's going to cost us, you know, actually it's already been paid for from last year, but uh, that's $6,000 and that's a business expense because it's a going to be a sponsored GSPN community business event for us. So, I mean, when it all comes down and is said and done, I did all of the math If and, and plus if you include all of the different things, but I, I can't, I've never in my life made a six-figure income. I, and I, I never in my life had made a six, six figure income and just my, I mean, literally, and I, I, if, you know, I know there's a lot of internet marketing people out there that claim a lot of things and a lot of people are really skeptical and stuff like that. I mean, I have my tax return. It's, it's, it's there. I know I can show, uh, but here's the deal. I, I did it. My, my income, my personal income was 122,000, uh, Business equipment uh, for the year uh, that that I you know this isn't quote unquote personal income but it's certainly things that you know I personally benefit from. Uh, so in addition to the hundred and twenty two thousand, I had nine thousand in business equipment, uh, eight hundred dollars in continuing education, uh, two thousand eight hundred dollars in meals for business uh, meetings. Um, with my wife, uh, we have regular business meetings, and we actually do go out and talk about business. Uh, rent income from the business that actually pays rent to actually have a, a space in this house uh, is four thousand two hundred, and then travel expenses. And again, that's the cruise and going on all these speaking gigs and stuff like that. Um, travel expenses ten thousand seven hundred, and all of that adds to twenty seven thousand five hundred. So if you add the hundred and twenty two thousand plus those quote unquote benefits, that brings my income to my real life income from last year to 149,500 and then uh if you add in the fact that you know some maybe some people don't have health insurance and and I kind of consider that my family benefits from this but my health insurance for my family of 5 health insurance premiums plus fully funded HSA contribution is 22,000 and so if if I really look and see how did I personally benefit financially from my business my my total real world income last year was $171,500 and guys i can't even begin to tell you what that means i it blows my mind and here's the here's the one thing i will tell you is that we do not live like i made that much money in fact i have i have over here what happened is i actually pay myself a very small amount um, you know, for, for us, I, I try to keep a limit on that. And I set a, I take business income and I just set it aside in a fake account and it just sits there and sits there and sits there. And then at the end of the year in 2012, I tried to set up, uh, an, um, an inv- a retirement investing account before the end of the year. And I didn't get it in time. Uh, so I ended up actually having to take a, uh, what they call a retained earnings draw or a profit draw. And um, I happened to be sitting on a check for $49,640, which is how much I have after paying all the taxes on all the extra income. So I really messed up by not getting my retirement account set up in time, but I do have $49,640 sitting here 
that I need to go put into <laughs> some some kind of place to hold it away. Uh, the cool thing I will tell you is that I am taking um, thirty thousand dollars and and uh, well, actually, I already have seven thousand five hundred in a uh, a personal uh, emergency fund, but we're taking my emergency fund to thirty thousand. Stephanie and I are going. I'm taking the family to San Diego with me. Uh, when I go to Social Media Marketing World to speak at that conference. And so we're going to have a little extra money to go to the San Diego Zoo and Legoland and some other fun stuff in San Diego. Um, we're going on the cruise uh, in June as a family of five. And, you know, we'll be able to do an excursion or two. So we have been very blessed. I just want to say um, that I thank God every day for being able to do what I love for a living uh, and I thank each and every one of you, those of you who have uh, just listened and told somebody else about Podcast Answer Man, who have blogged about Podcast Answer Man, those of you who have purchased any of my digital training materials, those of you who have clicked on any of my affiliate links, those of you who have gone through my podcasting A to Z course and the 48 members of my podcast mastermind group. And I, I'm sure I'm missing out on all the other people oh, in the gspn.tv community plus members. Um, it, guys, you are awesome. You are awesome. And I thank you for this. And I don't feel, you know, I used to feel guilty for sharing this. Like if I had this much abundance in my life and I would feel kind of weird sharing that. But I, the reason why I share this is not to pump me up to make me look good. Uh, but I share this as an, as a hopes that these real life, real numbers authentically, transparently giving you these numbers I hope and I pray that it will inspire you. You know, you can say, well, you know, I have this really safe, secure job. I work in an insurance agency. I'm making $87,000 a year. I'm a, I'm a husband and I, I have three kids and we're, I'm a single income family. And how can I give up $87,000 a year in this guarantee? Yes, I hate my job. Yes, I hate insurance now. Yes, I, I, I despise it every single day. It can be a toxic environment at times. No, none of the clients anymore really are loyal and they're all upset about everything. Uh, and it's a miserable existence, but I can't leave that because it is a secure job. You know, $87,000 a year, how can I leave that? And I want to just tell you, I did leave it. And it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And you ha- if you haven't seen my video that tells this story, go to podcastanswerman.com slash about and and this is just an update to that story. And I will tell you right now, 2013 should be a lot better than 2012. Um, it, it really should be as far as financially. And I am incredibly thankful and I hope that this inspires you guys. So anyway, my total win of the week. All right, let's turn to some questions. I, like I said, I'm gonna try to fit in five questions off the voicemail feedback hotline. The very first question comes in from Rick, and he wants to talk about what is success for his show. Hi, Cliff. Uh, my name is Rick, and my podcast is Philosophy Walk. And uh, this is my question. I launched my podcast, Philosophy Walk, in early November, and I really have your site and all of your advice that's on your site to thank for it. Uh, I know you've said that we shouldn't be too concerned with subscriber counts, but I have to ask, for a new podcast, is there a, a magic number that might point to a, a successful launch? 
and what would indicate uh, a healthy growth over time? Uh, is that maybe 10% in subscriber counts per month, or uh, what, what has been your experience in, on that? Uh, and that's that's it. Thanks again, Cliff, and you know, keep up the great work. We we appreciate it. Bye. All right, Rick. Thank you so much, Rick, for the question, and uh, congratulations on getting started with your show, Philosophy Walk. And uh, I encourage people to go into iTunes and see if they can't find that. Just go and search for Philosophy Walk. Check out a show and give him some feedback. Tell him you heard about him from Podcast Answer Man. Anyway, um, to answer your question, Rick, what is what is a good guideline for success for a brand new show? How many subscribers uh, really means that we're we're catching on? Well, I want to tell you when I first launched my podcast, it was the the lost pod. Actually, it was actually called the Generally Speaking Podcast. Uh, the very first episode was. Then in episode two, we turned it into the weekly lost edition of the Generally Speaking Production Network. But I want to tell you that when I launched my first episode of Generally Speaking, I would have been happy if I had 50 downloads. I would have been thrilled with 50 downloads. Um, absolutely thrilled. And if if I and, and if time went on and, you know, uh, you know, it was seven episodes in and I had grown my audience to 70 people who were downloading each and every file. And after a year and a half, it got to 200 people. I, I would have been perfectly fine with my show, generally speaking, being that way. Now, the thing is, though, is I did I did actually record the first episode of Generally Speaking, which was going to be a podcast about just about anything and everything that was interesting to me. And I realized that that was a really bad plan uh, because I would have only had a small number of people who would have tuned in. But there were enough people who listened to the podcast who said, hey, hey, wait a second, you talk about Lost. Why don't you talk about Lost in every single episode and forget about that other stuff? And so I went ahead and did that, knowing that I could actually launch about another podcast about other passions down the road. And so I did that, and as a result of getting focused in a, in a niche, now the thing is, is I happened to get focused in a niche that it was extremely popular. The TV show Lost was a massive, massive hit with millions of people searching online for anything and everything related to that show, and that show ended up getting thousands of subscribers right away. Now... I want to share with you, I have several, I've done, since December 2005, I've launched more than, actually, I've launched a total of 30 different podcasts, more than 3,000 podcast episodes online, and I have several shows today that I consider to be a massive success that only have two or 300 downloads, or 200 to 300 downloads per episode, and I am just fine with it, because here's the thing, what I like to think about is these numbers are not just a number on a report. These numbers, each of those numbers represent one human being who may potentially be listening to every word you have to say. So if I was doing a show about philosophy and I was sharing my thoughts on philosophy and I had, let's just say, 25 people download that show every single week for six weeks, imagine have imagine going to the library and reserving a room uh, at one of their free rooms at the library. And and you're, and what you're going to do is you're going to reserve it because once a week, every week, you're going to host a, 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 a lecture on philosophy. And you're going to invite everybody in the community to come to your philosophy talk at the library. And and could you imagine for, for, for the first six weeks right out of the gate, you get 25 people in that room? 
That's awesome. 25 people who are coming there every single week. So, and then all of a sudden you, you get to 50, 75, 100. Just think of those that amount of people in a room and those people are not there just one time to hear you, but they're coming back week after week after week. That's awesome stuff. So what is success? Success isn't a number. Success is a determination of what you want to do. Who do you want to talk to? How many people? And um, my favorite thing, this comes from, I think it was uh, Earl Nightingale who did The Strangest Secret. He says, success is anybody, anyone is a success when they have made a clear, determined goal of what they want to achieve in life and they're walking toward it. So your show is a success, not because of the number of people who listen, but because you have determined that you have something on your heart. You have a message to share with the world. And regardless of the number of people who may or may not be listening this week, you've still uh, succeeded and you are a success you are a success in putting out your message into the world and who knows maybe one let's just say for for 3 years your podcast is never listened to by more than 200 people but then all of a sudden a couple years into it somebody huge is in is one of those people and they've been listening to you and then all of a sudden they invite you to come speak at a big event with thousands of people, and then all of a sudden, everybody there is writing about you, blogging about you, and the next thing you know, you got 17,000 people subscribed to your podcast. Will that ever happen? I have no idea. But success isn't based upon the number of people. The success is based on whether or not you're doing what you have determined in your life you want to achieve. So, Rick, I hope that helps you out. Moving on, let's go to Dana, who has a question about privacy and pen names. Hi, Cliff. This is Dana from DiaperDirt.com. I have a question for Podcast Answer Man. But first, I'd like to thank you for all that you do. If it wasn't for both you and Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, I would never have had the courage or confidence to do all that I've done within the past few months. You have inspired me to reach for my dreams, dreams that I didn't even know that I had a year ago. Since I found you and Pat, I have started a blog, I created a YouTube channel, and launched a podcast. And I know the online business is where I belong. I'm having so much fun, and I feel re-energized about life. So thank you. Now, my question is, the Diaper Dirt podcast that I host is about parenting and specifically babies, and I've been struggling with the use of my last name on both my blog and in my podcast. I want to be open and honest with my audience, and as I build a community, I want to be as transparent as possible, but my family is extremely concerned about safety, especially because I have three young children. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on the use of pen names versus real names. Also, so far, I've been careful about mentioning my kids' names, and I'd like to speak openly, but I want to make sure that I'm safeguarding my family as much as possible. Do you have any thoughts about using fictitious names or nicknames when speaking about your kids? And how do you feel about the use of pen names? Thanks again for all the great work that you do. Bye, Cliff. All right, Dana, thank you so much for a wonderful question, and I do have some thoughts on this. I want to say first and foremost, um, oh, by the way, I'm glad that you you have been inspired by myself and Pat Flynn. And real quick, just a quick mention, if anybody's in the Nashville area this Tuesday night, podcastanswerman.com slash Nashville will take you to our Facebook page where you can RSVP to come and come to the meetup with Pat Flynn and myself. We're co-hosting a meetup in Nashville while we're at the platform 
conference. Uh, but anyway, I'm so glad that our shows have been so inspirational and I can just tell that you have this passion and this burning desire to take things to a whole new level with your online business. So congratulations and uh, very happy for you. Now, I want to say that as far as pen names or pseudonyms and fake names and stuff like that, not a fan. I don't like them at all. Um, I just, I mean, literally, not at all. However, I also want to say this. I am a huge fan of being safe, you know, and, and, and having security. So, uh, obviously, I, I don't know if this is sexist or whatever. Or people are going to get upset. But maybe I, I do see where where women are are would have a little bit more to be concerned about than men i i don't know if that sounds wrong or not but i can see where you would maybe want to to protect your your full identity and and the location of where you live and stuff like that certainly uh, we sh- we deal with this in our own podcasting. You know, Podcast Answer Man is not the only show that I do. In fact, uh, we have, you know, out of over 3,000 episodes, this is only 295 of them. So my wife and I have been podcasting since 2005, and we talk- we have an entire show called Family from the Heart. We talk about our family every single week. We talk about what our family's doing and stuff. Um, a lot of people do know that we actually live in northern Kentucky because we say northern Kentucky a lot. Now, there's a lot of the early episodes. We made a mistake of, you know, and I don't call it, I, I, it's sort of, a, actually, it wasn't a mistake in my mind today, but we, we are careful not to actually say what city we live in in northern Kentucky. We don't go around just publicly sprouting that out uh when we talk about our kids at school we never mention the the name of the school when we talk about the kids teachers we never mention the names of the teachers uh when we talk about school sports or dance teams we don't talk about the names of the teams we don't talk about mascots uh anything that's going to point people to where our kids are and where they're at during the day and stuff like that um with that being said you know, if somebody's crazy out there, even putting in any of this stuff online, it I mean, you you put a couple hundred episodes on and you can start, you know, building a profile. And and that is a concern. And I totally, totally get that. But Stephanie and I have had lots of conversations, lots of business meetings uh, that we've had to to talk about what what are we sharing and what are we not sharing? What's appropriate in our podcast? What's not appropriate? And that's the thing. Keep an open dialogue with your husband if you're married, and uh, and you know just work those things out and 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 come up with a game plan. If I were ever going to go and say, can I see somebody using a fi- fictitious name uh, and stuff like that? I would I would say in your case maybe you could have a pseudonym and stuff like that, but. I, I, again, I, believe me, I, I'm not going to judge you one way or the other. Your question is whether or not what do I think about it. So please understand what you're getting is my worldview. You're getting my my thoughts, my opinions. And if your opinions end up being different than mine, that I, I would not look down upon you at all. You have to do what's right for you, for your brand, and for your safety and privacy. So please take all of that into consideration. But when it comes down to what I think... I, I, I actually like the idea maybe of sharing your name. For example, you, I, I don't know. Maybe your name's not Dana. I don't know. But if you tell me your name is Dana, I assume that your name is Dana. And and um, and so I'm okay with that. Um, now, the thing is, is I don't, I, you didn't share your last name and it, I, I'm not any uh, less benefited from your call from you not sharing it. So I don't think you ever need to really share your last name. 
uh, anywhere online. Matter of fact, you could, if you wanted to, you could just give yourself a title. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, if I wanted to, and if I was really concerned about my privacy, I could just say, hey guys, welcome back this to the Podcast Answer Man. I am the Podcast Answer Man, and I could never tell you my name. Now, the thing is, though, is you may not have as a, a, a deep of a connection to me personally without me sharing a lot of details. Now, the thing is, is that comes into my core values. Um, before I get into my, well, I, I will share this. I do have, I actually have a list of written core values that I will not, um, that I will not uh, compromise on. I, it, whenever I'm making a decision, when I'm responding to an email, when I'm answering a question, when I'm dealing with a decision, I I know what my core values are and I try to never violate what my core values are. And at the top of my list of core values is authenticity and transparency. And I think already by the, you know, into this episode, by me sharing some very real world numbers, you know, you know, and a lot of people are really weird about money and a lot of people listening to this podcast are going to start judging me now based upon the income and and stuff like that. There's going to be, there's going to be some people who, you know, become jealous and and start saying nasty things about me. And some are going to look at me and say, gosh, you know, I can't believe he did this. You know, but here's the thing. I believe in authenticity and transparency and it's who I am. It's what makes me and my brand what it is. And so I share a lot of things that most people aren't comfortable with. Um, so I, the, you know, authenticity, being real, being myself, sharing the truth and, um, uh, Mike Schell in the chat room says, Hey, you're not in the 1% yet. And the answer, you know, in response to that, I will tell you that I'm not yet, but my, I will tell you if you've listened to the strangest secret by Earl Nightingale, um, my one goal that's on my quote unquote index card that he talks about, um, it's in my wallet which my wallet's not here right now. It's in my pocket in my jacket. Anyway, um, my my goal says, it says I will have a net worth of a minimum of $1 million by the end of 2015. So that that is, I am, I am that is my destination uh, for my big goal and, and I'm on my way towards that. So anyway, um, but yeah, authenticity, transparency, those are at the top of my list. I really believe in letting people connect with me personally and I've seen it do wonderful things with my my stuff, with my brand, and, and and as a result of it. However, I do want to say this: you could share your name, and you don't ever have to share your last name. Uh, and also about baby names, nicknames is a great idea. I wouldn't give them fake names, but I would give them nicknames. Uh, it, it, we were we've been joking around. Um, we have three children, and uh, Megan is our oldest daughter, and she is, we her her nickname is Needy. Um, so, and but they're dwarf names. So Megan is needy. And the reason why we call her needy is because she is a mama's girl and she never leaves her mom's side. And she always, always needs something. And she, and she, and she knows this. She, so we call her needy. Uh, and then my son, uh, he is into games and everything technic technology related. Imagine that. Anyway, we call him techie. So we have needy techie. And then, uh, what is McKenna's uh, dwarf name? I, I'm trying to think right now. Uh, does anybody know in the chat room? I can't remember what McKenna's tech uh, dwarf name. Is. These are these are what Stephanie called them. Uh, there's so there's need there's needy techie and 
Uh, I can't remember the one that she gave McKenna. But anyway, that's the whole idea. They're, they, you know, they're dwarf. Um, but it, it, it's fun. And so if you wanted to, you could just give them nicknames to, to keep sharing in these stories. I've heard of other people doing that. Oh, Picky. Yes, thank you so much. See, Shonda has listened to enough of our shows that she even knows. So it's Needy, Techie, and Picky. Uh, because McKenna is the pickiest eater in the world. Uh, and actually more picky than I am. That And that's saying a lot. So Needy, Techie, and Picky... Uh, and and if I was to actually, from this point forward in our shows, only refer th- to them as needy, techy, and picky, um, then then our, our audience would be able to follow along. Anyway, uh, Dana, I hope that helps you out. Again, I'm not a fan of pseudonyms. I'm not a fan of, of, uh, uh, of false names and stuff like that. I don't judge those people who use them, but I certainly, I certainly don't feel as close to those people. Uh, and, as, and and if I ever find out that that's not their real name, um, it, it, it does kind of make me feel weird in a, in a little bit of a way. So that that's my thoughts. All right, moving along. Another question from Albert this time about preamps. This message is for the podcast Answer Man. Hi, it's Albert Hathazi from The Local Method Podcast at www.thelocalmethod.com. And my question is about preamps. I've been hearing lots about preamps. And my setup is very similar to yours, Cliff, with the Behringer limiter gate going through the mixer. And of course, I'm using the wonderful Heil PR40. Are you using a preamp yourself? And what are your thoughts on preamps? Really interested to hear this. Thanks so much for the show. I look forward to it every week. Bye now. Albert, thank you so much. And by the way, folks, uh, Albert is a member of the Podcast Mastermind and you can find out more information about that at podcastmastermind.com. And Albert, your audio sounds great. So don't know why you're looking into this and, and looking, but uh, obviously we're always looking to take things to the next level, aren't we? So anyway, um, preamps. Am I using one? Of course I'm using one. And so are you. You're using a preamp as well. Uh, otherwise, I would not have heard your feedback because you're using a dynamic microphone which uh, from Heil and it would not be able to project your voice from the microphone into the recorder if you did not have it amplified or through running through a preamp. So I, I know what you're asking, though. You're asking, you know, having a standalone piece of equipment known as a preamp. Now, the thing is, is our Mackie mixers that we're using, they actually have preamps built into them. So there's a little, you know, uh, the 1402 VLZ3 mixer has six preamps. So it's got those six XLR ports and anything you plug into those ports is being amplified through six separate preamplifiers inside of the mixer. So, um, yes, I use a preamp. It's built into my Mackie, and you're using one as well. Now, do I feel like we need a separate piece of rack-mounted gear known as a preamp? The answer to that question is no, I don't think so. Um, are there benefits to having a, a different preamp and bringing, you know, going from a preamp, going from the microphone into a full-blown dedicated preamp then running it through a compressor limiter gate, and then maybe running it into the line-in of a mixer, and then mixing it all down into a recorder. You know what? Not all preamps are created equal. That is absolutely true. Some of them have more line noise on them, uh, more of a noise floor than others. That's certainly true. Uh, But I've been very happy with the preamps that are built into the Mackie 1402 VLZ3 
the 1202 VLZ3 mixers. Those preamps are just fine for what I do, and uh, and I'm fine with it. So I don't think you need that extra gear, although I can tell you that there are some very expensive preamps out there that can that can even do more wondrous things with giving you a, a nice warm fuzzy sound <laughs> all right anyway hope that helps you out there um albert and thank you for the question and uh i'm gonna take a quick break and while i do i want to play this commercial for you guys podcast answer man presents an exclusive audio branding package for podcasters where voiceovers, audio producers, singers, and musicians bring together their knowledge and talent to you. Get a one-hour web meeting with an audio branding specialist to discuss your podcast's exact audio needs. A professional intro and outro for your podcast. Plus, three jingles that you can use to transition between segments. Introduce interviews, features, and more. And more. The Podcast Answer Man audio branding package from just $449. Exclusively at podcastanswerman.com slash audio. There you go, my friends. Go check it out. That is a great deal. In fact, after uh, playing the interview with Mike and Isabella Russell last week, I know at least one person has already taken advantage of the personal audio branding package that's exclusively offered through Podcast Answer Man. Go over to podcastanswerman.com slash audio and uh, get your audio branding uh, taken to the whole next level if you're interested. And oh, and by the way, and if you do, uh, send me a copy of your official promo or your official uh, intro for your show, and I'll be happy to play it as uh, as a way of thanking you for using uh, that exclusive thing. And yes, I do get a commission on on those uh, branding packages. So um, yeah, send me along uh, your intro that they've created for you, and I'll play it on the show as a way of saying thanks. Hey, um, we're going to move on to Tom's question next. He wants to know why he's losing subscribers. Any thoughts on that? Take it away, Tom. Hi, Cliff. This is Tom Wachowski from Phoenix, Arizona, and my website, yourmoneyhouse.com. And the reason I'm calling is you helped me put together my podcast called The Money Subjects Made Simple Show. Back in August, I bought your course, WordPress for Podcasters, and evaluating a podcast and gave me everything I needed to launch the show, which I did in August, and to my surprise, had about 500 downloads. Downloads since then have steadily declined. I'm trying to figure out why. Now, I know you say don't log in and listen every day and look at your downloads, and I don't do that. <laughs> but I've had four months here, and I've been able to stop this trend. Uh, in October, I had about 400. November, about 200. Here we are in December, about 50. Feedburner subscribers have also declined from the mid-30s to the mid 20 just in the last four months since launching the podcast in August. So my question for you is, what am I doing wrong? You know, I think the content is valuable. Um, I think the audio is good. And I'm just not sure why people are opting out of the podcast. And uh, maybe there's a big fundamental that I'm missing. So I was hoping you might have some quick advice on something to look for, something to change, something to modify to get these subscribers back up. Thanks, Cliff. Appreciate all you do for the podcasting community. And happy holiday. Bye-bye. All right, Tom. Thank you very much. And I'm just making one more note to my answer. Okay, so here we go. Um, First of all, I want to say this. You've only been doing this for four months. And it's not time to really be too concerned about the numbers yet. Um, the, you know, continue to make some consistent show, uh, note, or consistent progress in the quality of your show, content of your show, and eventually you will see an upward trend. 
First and foremost, um, actually, that was the first and foremost. The second thing I want to say is feed burner. Forget those stats. I know that I say don't get obsessed about looking at your stats, but if you're going to look at your stats, look at the stats that stats that Libsyn gives you. I assume that since you went through my WordPress for Podcasters tutorial, you are using Libsyn, and that's where you're seeing your stats for the episode themselves. Only look at those numbers. Do not ever look at FeedBurner. FeedBurner will never be accurate as far as the stats. Don't even give them even a second glance. Don't even waste your any precious time that you have on this earth looking at a FeedBurner stat. Okay, um, so with FeedBurner stats out of the way, you said that in October you had about 400 people uh, who had listened to an episode here and there. Uh, then it, in November you went down to 200 and then you went down to 50. But you're consistently... Uh, you're consistently putting out new episodes. So the question is, uh, and, and and by the way, <laughs> the chat room was like they were on edge of wondering what I was going to do. The, whenever I hear something like this, if I hear that there's a decline like this, the first question I do have to ask myself, and I, and I hope that you won't mind that I ask this, but does your show suck? Um, is it a horrible show? Uh, and, and really, honestly, that's one of the things we have to authentically go and look at. And how do I judge whether or not that's the case? If, if this is the resu- if, if this is actually the problem with your show, why you might be seeing this decrease in the numbers? Well, the first thing that I did is I looked you up in iTunes. And the one thing I immediately that I'm looking at is the name of your show. Is the name of your show catchy? Is it something that that you know kind of makes me feel drawn to your brand? It's the Money Subjects Made Simple show. And you know what, If I mean, it's pretty straightforward to the point. I actually kind of like the name, uh, The Money Subjects Made Simple. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of like it, Money Subjects Made Simple. I, that That's clear to the point. Good deal. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say, does the does the name of your show suck? No, it doesn't. So you're good there. All right. So the next thing I'm gonna look at is your artwork for your show. Does your artwork look okay? Does it look like you actually took some time to create it? And you know what? I I'm looking at your artwork, and if I gave us if I was to rate it on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the best, I'd get I'd rate your artwork right around. I'd say it's about a seven point five to eight. I, so I think it's it's quality enough to where you know what money made money subjects made simple. I'm looking at your artwork, not so bad. So so far you're you're two for two. You're doing really great. Uh, and then if I look in, I want to look at your iTunes description. Now I will tell you that your iTunes description could use a little bit of help. It says this. It says the money the money show where couples with kids and careers learn personal finance tools strategies and best practices for allocating money the right way to get certain, get secure, and get ahead. Well, that that's a great tagline and stuff like that. Maybe, I mean, you could probably fit a couple more sentences there to really talk about how you're unique and different. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about. It's the one additional note that I made about content. And, and I'll just go ahead and bring it here. I mean, here's the deal. You're in a, you're in the investing category all right and and so you're in this money category this investing category and come on this this is a very very crowded place now does that mean that you can't succeed and have a super popular podcast in a very crowded space no not at all 
But what you need is you need a unique selling proposition. You need to know, people people need to know what makes you different. Is there kind of a story? You know, like for example, uh, now of course I'm totally making this up. Totally making this up. What if I went to the Money Subjects show, uh, Money Subjects Made Simple podcast and I saw, um, you know, the same artwork, but in the description, what if it said, hi, I'm Tom Wachowski. I uh, attempted to pursue my dreams and passions of following my uh, career path or following or to create my own business and, uh, you know, did this, this, this. And all of a sudden I found myself at the bottom of the rope and uh, ended up losing everything. Uh, We were considering uh, declaring bankruptcy and starting over from scratch until all of a sudden I met this person and learned this mindset and that radically transformed. We avoided bankruptcy and we have rebuilt our business and today we are successfully doing this, this, and this. And we talk about each episode, in each episode of Money Subjects Made Simple, we talk about the mindset that made this possible. Now, do you see how there's that unique story, that unique selling? There, there's no story here. Who is Tom Wachowski? You know, in the description, is, it's the money show is where couples with kids and careers uh, learn personal finance tools, strategies, and best practices. Practices, but you know, but by from whom? You know, and why? And and with what mindset? And and stuff like that. Something that get that really gets in and makes you different from Dave Ramsey. Makes you different from all the other money podcasts out there. Because there there are literally there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of money podcasts out there. So you have to be unique. You have to. And I'm sure you are but you're not communicating it right here, and at least not in the description. So that's, I look at your iTunes description, and you can use some help there. Um, real quickly, I look at your iTunes listening here, uh, ratings here. I see that uh, one person gave you, a, you have three five-star reviews. Uh, one person says, I like the practicality and fundamental ideas. No, I'm not getting paid to say this. Another person says, great podcast, awesome advice, and fresh ideas. And another person says, money, Straight talk for the real world. I enjoy Tom's Money Subjects Made Simple show. It has a unique ability to explain money concepts in a straightforward fashion while relating it to life in the real world. Good stuff. So three people are really, uh, really connected there with you. I'm sure that because you have three reviews, maybe some of those people might be related to you in one way or another. There's nothing wrong with that. But But here's the one thing I will say is, you know, Find that unique story that what makes you who you are and 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 really drive that home as much as you can, not just in the description, but also in your show. All right. So we got the name of the show. We have um, uh, we have the artwork. We have the iTunes, the audio quality. So the next thing I did is I actually listened to an episode of your podcast or at least a little bit of it. And this is what I got. It's the Money Subjects Made Simple show, episode number 13, where we've got a special guest that'll help you teach your kids about money. Welcome to the Money Subjects Made Simple show, where couples with kids and careers learn personal finance tools, strategies, and best practices for allocating money the right way. To get certain, get secure, and get ahead. It's all based on your money house. And here to talk more about it is your host, Tom Wachowski. Hello and welcome to the Money Subjects Made Simple show. In this episode, we've got a special guest. Okay, so your audio quality is great. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give you a right around a, 
an eight to an eight and a half, which is really high for me, you know, and, and so, so I will just tell you right now, um, Tom, I think, think your audio quality is grand. Um, so we go to the audio, the content quality, uh, your content seems to be pretty good. My question, is it unique enough? Are you, are you, are you personally relatable? Are, is there something that's a part of your story that gives you the qualification to speak about this money stuff? And if so, why should people care? Communicate that. Get that communicated there. Usually try to com- communicate it as much as possible within the first five to ten minutes of your show each week. Um, that's why, you know, I, I start I start off with, uh, you know, opening up the show. It's like, hey, t- it's about taking things to the next level. And I like to, you know, it's like, and here's how I'm taking things to the next level. I start with a lot of, I, I share a lot of personal junk in this show. And I do that intentionally. I do that intentionally. So what's what makes you unique? What's, what's bringing it in? What are you doing in your show that inspires greatness in your audience? So the question is the content there. Now, the thing is, is I, I'm sure that you're doing even that. Uh, I would hope anyway, and I'm sure that we can all do things to take that to the next level. So here's my thoughts related to your stats. You said in October you had 400, and then you had 200, then it's around 50. Well, first and foremost, I want to say that I think that's right about the time that uh, Lipson made an algorithm change, uh, and they more accurately started creating um, stats based upon real authentic numbers based upon the change in the way people were down or listening to shows via mobile players. Now I can't I can't pinpoint in my mind off the top of my head if it was definitely in October, but you're not alone with when people who actually saw a boom drop immediately in the number of people who were uh, sh- showing up in the stats. Uh, they did have an algorithm change and I would actually have to say that probably for you to have that significant of a drop, that it's act, it actually is more of that. Not to mention the fact that probably you were a little bit better at marketing this thing when it was brand new than you are marketing it today. One of the things you can do is call into other shows. Of course, in fact, I want to tell you to go to podcastanswerman.com slash growing hyphen your hyphen audience. Again, that's podcastanswerman.com slash growing hyphen your hyphen audience. It's episode number 254 of this podcast and it will greatly help you out uh, in making sure that you have everything that you need there. But um, I, I think really honestly what, what you have is once you have a great show, you have you have a good title, you have good artwork, you have um, you have great audio quality, you have you have some work to do on your description of your show. Uh, in the content of your show, you can actually probably make sure that you have that unique selling proposition kind of right up in the front of the show that kind of draws people in. Make sure that you're actually giving something that just really captures people's attention and inspires them within each episode. That you know, they it's like, wow, I can't believe that. You know, what if what if my life, what would my life would have been like had I not listened to that episode? I want everybody to come away from a podcast answer man episode thinking, I am so glad I just listened to that. So those are the things that I want to have happen with your show and your content. But even if you get all of that right, you have 20% of this thing. If your goal is to increase the number, actually, if your goal is to maintain your audience uh, numbers, but also to grow your audience, if you want to grow your audience, having everything I just shared perfectly right is 20% of the of, of the work. The other 80% is all about building relationships with your audience and and actually getting serious about marketing, marketing your show, learning how to effectively connect with and use social media tools like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, P- 
Pinterest, um, and even Google Plus if you want to. Uh, <laughs> that's a little running joke for me. But anyway, I hope that this helps you. I really believe, Tom, you have a great show. In fact, one of the things I just want to encourage everybody to do, go over and, and find um, uh, money, let's see here, money, money Subjects Made Simple Show. Go look it up in iTunes and check it out and leave your own feedback for Tom. Uh, send him an email. Find you know, Click through iTunes, click through to the podcast website, uh, see if you can find his contact page, his email or whatever, and let Tom know what you thought about the show. And if you like it, tell him you heard about him from the Podcast Answer Man. And if you didn't like it, tell him, you know, maybe give him some thoughts and say, hey, I, this, this is a great show, but I would really love to know this, this, and this. Give him some constructive uh, feedback, but do it in a very positive way. Uh, nobody likes that negative criticism stuff. So, Tom, I hope this helps you out. And, uh, yeah. There you go. Now, I am looking here. There's no way I'm going to fit in uh, Justin's call today about the live calls. So I'm just going to throw that into another week's uh, session. Uh, I do, however, want to share with you. uh, Actually, I'm not going to be able to share the world's largest natural sound archive this week either. I'm going to put that off till next week. Uh, moving along here, podcasting patent update. I will give you an update on that next week. I actually do have some new sto- new stories to share with you. The EFF, the Electronic Fun- uh, uh, Frontier Foundation, is getting involved. Uh, some podcast, some po- other podcasters are getting some letters from Personal Audio asking to negotiate licensing deals. I'll get you some more details on those things, and I will share a full update in episode number 296. I still am having some conversations, and I may even be able to get an interview with somebody from EFF or the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Um, And uh, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and start the music here for the end of the show because we are at an hour already. And I do have some uh, announcements for the end of the show that I want to uh, tell you about. First and foremost, I want to tell you I have a brand new digital training tutorial available on my website. If you go over to podcastanswerman.com slash products and scroll down through the list of training tutorials that I have, I finally got around to creating a ScreenFlow tutorial. It's called ScreenFlow Basics. Uh, now, I had some members of my podcast mastermind push back on the title. They said, what do you call that basics? You pretty much covered everything. And the truth is, is I did did cover everything you need to know to actually learn how I'm creating all the effects that I do in the various videos and the training materials that I I create and have made plenty of income from. Uh, So I share all of my secrets of how I do things. They're not really secrets, just how I do them, tips and tricks on the things that I do to make my screencasts with ScreenFlow just really pop out and look great. And so, again, if it's a $39 um, uh, tutorial. It's 99 minutes. And it actually uh, is one of my lowest cost tutorials out there. So if you want to get that for $39, it's called ScreenFlow Basics. Go over to podcastanswerman.com slash products. And it's on that page. Also, want to remind you that my next uh, podcasting A to Z course starts on Monday, March 4th. And it goes for four weeks. Of course, if you sign up today, guess what? You get access to every single training tutorial I've ever created immediately, right now, including, get this, including the ScreenFlow tutorial. That's right. As I add new tutorials, um, each new session obviously gets access to whatever is currently available as a listing of all of my tutorials. So there you go. 
uh, podcasting A to Z, even if you're an existing podcaster and you think that you could benefit just from having access to ask me as many questions as you want for four full weeks, well, that's what you get. So again, podcasting A to Z.com. If you sign up using discount code PAM, stands for Podcast Answer Man, you will get $100 off the cost of the course. I would love to spend four weeks with you answering your questions. Absolutely would love it. And then, of course, I want to say thank you to those of you who have used my Bluehost affiliate link for signing up for your hosting account. If you want my thoughts on hosting and get my affiliate link, you can find that over at podcastanswerman.com slash hosting podcastanswerman.com slash hosting. Special thanks to the folks who are behind realtennisnetwork.com. And I love this one, liveinabundance.net. Those two individuals used my Bluehost affiliate link. And as a result, I got two very generous commissions. Well, that's it, my friends. I thank you for tuning in to another episode of Podcast Answer Man. I am off to Nashville, Tennessee to speak at the Platform Conference with Michael Hyatt. And my good friend Pat Flynn and I are hosting that meetup, podcastanswerman.com slash Nashville. If you want to join us in, uh, on Tuesday night, uh, we would love to have you there. Anyway, God bless you all. Thank you for everything. And wow, let's take everything we do to the next level. Some man.